everybody. Happy Easter. Um, I'm recording this morning on beautiful Saturday morning here in Matthews. So if you're watching this on rainy uh, Easter Sunday morning, I <laughs> hope this gives you a glimpse into yesterday, back to yesterday, uh, when it was sunny and beautiful outside, uh, which is what you often want, uh, what we strive for, right, on, on Easter morning in our plaids and our pastels to come to church and to uh, gather with people on a beautiful sunrisey Easter morning uh, where we celebrate that all is all is right with the world and all is well with the world and that Jesus is risen. Um, and the fact that we can't be doing that this year, that it's probably raining, um, that you have been stuck at home and you're working from home and that's really getting old now after a few weeks, um, that the Zoom meetings that you've been doing and the video sermons you've been watching are not uh, as interesting as they were three weeks ago. Uh, all of that leads to um, a perfect segue into what I want to talk about um, this morning, what I want to lead us into thinking about and processing and reflecting on as we think about Easter this morning. Um, and that is that <clears throat> there's a paradox built into our celebration of Easter every year. And the fact that we can't be together and that we're doing it in this format and that it's probably raining <laughs> all point to the paradox and that is that how do we celebrate something that we think is the most important event in the history of the world that sets all things right that brings redemption and restoration and fixes brokenness and pays for sin how do we how do we celebrate all that when things seem so wrong when the world is full of a virus, when um, things do not feel like they're going well. This is our triumphal Easter morning where we celebrate that Jesus rose from the dead and yet it just doesn't feel like things are right. How do we celebrate Easter in the midst of that? And that's the paradox that I want to talk about this morning. So if you have your Bible, uh, Psalm 30, Hopefully you already read it. I'm just going to read it again. There's no harm in uh, reading a psalm twice. So let's read through Psalm 30. Listen, I'm going to read it slow so that we can really think about what David is saying. So this is a psalm that David wrote after he'd been restored. We don't know the context of this psalm exactly. Uh, it's listed as a song at the dedication of the temple. Um, scholars aren't exactly sure when that would be or what that means. Um, but clearly David's been rescued from some... Uh, peril. Um, and so let's read this and see what David has to say. He writes, I will extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried to you for help and you have healed me. O Lord, you have brought up my soul from Sheol. You have restored me to life from among those who go down to the pit. Sing praises to the Lord, O you his saints, and give thanks to his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. As for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. 
By your favor, O Lord, you made my mountain stand strong. You hid your face. I was dismayed. To you, O Lord, I cry. And to the Lord, I plead for mercy. What profit is there in my death if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it tell of your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my helper. You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness, that my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. This is the word of the Lord. I you to notice, looking at this psalm, the contrasts that David draws. Early in the first few verses, there's a contrast uh, between going down and coming up. Right? You have brought my soul up from Sheol, which in Hebrew is the place of the dead. Uh, there's a lot of scholarly debate about exactly what it means. It has a sort of a range of meanings with um, it, it's the grave, but it's also the place of the dead. It represents death uh, in its full in its fullness so the lord has brought him up as opposed to those who go down uh, to the pit um there's there's a sickness and a health right you have healed me i cried for help and you healed me so there's sickness and there's health there's death and then there's life um then in the next section you see the distinction that david makes between the anger of god and the favor of god you see his anger is but a moment, but his favor is for a lifetime. You see weeping as opposed to joy. You see night as opposed to mourning. Verse 6, David is in his prosperity. He's in strength. He feels strong, uh, and he believes he will never be moved. And then God hides his face, and he feels dismayed. So you have the presence of God and the absence of God. You have prosperity and dismay. Verses 8 9 and 10, you see again, there's this up and down thing. You go down to the pit, um, or will you raise me up? Um, asking God to be his helper. And then in verses 11 and 12, you see mourning turning into dancing, clothed in sackcloth, sackcloth versus being clothed in gladness. You have being silent versus being uh, singing the praise of God. This, this psalm is wrapped in contrasts, in the tension between, on the one side, these things that are down, that are night, that are sadness, that are darkness, that are sackcloth and ashes, and these things that are um, the restoration um, and, the, and the sustaining uh, love and action of God. Um, and so in the midst of those two things, David uh, he, he's living and has been living suspended between these two realities, suspended somehow between um, all the good and all the bad that he experiences. And he seems to experience the bad, and then he's saying, God, you have drawn me, you have brought me, you have done this work of bringing me back uh, back to, these, to, to good. I want you to notice in verses 2 and 3, as I was reading this and meditating on it, and just the way that it, the way that it gives us a picture of what Easter is like and what Easter is about, because David uses a resurrection metaphor. Look at verses two. He says, "O oh Lord, my God, I cried to you for help, and you've healed me. 
It says, you have brought up my soul from Sheol. You have restored me to life from among those who go down to the pit. Now, David's using a metaphor. He didn't actually die. He's writing the psalm. But um, he, his experience in the world of this sickness or whatever it was that was troubling him, this peril, um, his experience of being brought out of that was, a, was an experience of resurrection. It was an experience of moving from death or feeling that one foot in the grave is kind of the, the, the imagery here. He's like, he's in, he's got one foot in Sheol, in the grave, in the place of the dead, and God reaches down and brings him back to life. This imagery of being metaphorically raised from the dead. And then out of that, out of that past experience of God's hand, moving him from a place of what feels like death to a place of what feels like life, David is able to write this psalm of thanksgiving. I give thanks to you, O God, because you have brought me back to life, essentially. Now, right now, in the midst of a crisis, there is a lot of um, expectation and hope and desire that we will be brought from this place of crisis, this place of peril, maybe even this place of death, back to a place of life. In fact, it's really interesting. One of the first famous people that you probably heard of that was infected with coronavirus was Tom Hanks. And he actually said this, and I found this quote that, that um, as he was being interviewed, he said this. He said, it's going to take a while, but if we take care of each other, help where we can, and give up some comforts, this too shall pass. We can figure this out. And it struck me in that moment that what Tom Hanks is hoping for and what most people or many people in our world are hoping for is is restoration of life it's an experience of resurrection of some kind it's a metaphorical resurrection there's an experience of that that they want to have bring me out of this place of the pit back into the place of life and yet the grounding for that and Tom Hanks attests to this the grounding is is simply uh, wishing simply hoping like I, I hope this happens I want this to happen maybe we can figure this out it's this too shall pass um, is a is a wish dream it, it is a it is sort of this phantom desire to get back to a place of wholeness to get back to a place of restoration to get back to a place of life but without knowing with nothing to ground that on there's nothing that Tom Hanks can say for sure that I know that this will pass this too shall pass is simply a wish. It's a wish, it's a hope, it's a dream. Um, there's a lot of optimism on Instagram. There's a lot of optimism when you look at how are we gonna fix this? How are we gonna get better? That, that you know, maybe someday it'll just go back to normal. And oftentimes in our secular society, that is simply based on either our faith in ourselves or just a blind hope. Contrast that with David's experience of actually coming in contact with God who does an act of resurrection on his behalf. Easter morning is a morning we celebrate resurrection. It's not a, it's not a morning where we celebrate a wish dream. It's not a morning or a day where we celebrate um, just a fancy, a hope, a desire, wishful thinking. This too shall pass. We're in this 
these difficulties. We're in a crisis. We're in, we live suspended in this tension between things we want to be true and things we hope and restoration that we desire and an actual pain and suffering and, and the feeling and experience of, of death in all of that, all that that means. And we want to go back to wholeness. Easter morning is the morning along with every Sunday, but especially as we talk about the, the, the actual act, historical activities of Holy Week, that our hope for that restoration and that resurrection is not a wish dream. It, it's not based on pure speculation and pure desire or pure this too shall pass. It's actually based, just like David's was, his thanksgiving was based on an actual action of God on his behalf. For us, our hope and our desire that and our belief for restoration, in restoration, and in this too shall pass is grounded in the historical reality of the resurrection of Jesus. That when we celebrate this, what we are saying is we don't just hope blindly that things will get better, but we are grounded in a bodily historical resurrection of the man who was God who two days ago on Friday, yesterday, for me today, on Saturday, on Friday, we proclaimed that he was actually dead, that he died, he went into the grave, was buried, and was dead. And we spend two days meditating in that place, uh, allowing ourselves to connect with the reality of the, of the pain and suffering that Christ went through, which connects with the pain and suffering and death um, that we have. Go read Isaiah 53. He bore our sorrows. And now, in our celebration of his resurrection, it grounds our hope on to something that is real and true. And we can connect that with things we see and experience every single day. Every week we have Sunday where we gather as the church, where we remember that this is a day of resurrection, that Christ has been raised, and therefore we don't walk in wishful thinking, but in grounded resurrection hope. Every day when the sun comes up, it's from darkness to light is a resurrection hope. Every springtime when trees go from death to green, it's a resurrection hope that this too shall pass. But none of those things are just speculative, but they're based on the action of God in history, grounding our faith, inside of this tension that we live in between the, the actual experience of death in all of its facets and our desire for restoration and wholeness, that we can set our fate, our feet firmly in the resurrection of Jesus. That salvation, as you read through this psalm, belongs to God. That God has acted, God has acted, God has acted, God has acted. And, and all of God's action is to move David from death to life. And so when we celebrate Easter, we're celebrating this actual historical movement, not just of one man, David, but of Jesus who represents all of us, who has borne all of our sorrow and all of our grief, moving from death to life. And that movement of Christ from an actual grave to actual life, not the metaphorical resurrection of David, but the actual resurrection gives us hope. It allows us to be thankful for God's small acts of restoration in our life, but also gives us hope for real restoration. Right? It's hard to be on Easter and not at least read part of 1 Corinthians 15, which is the greatest chapter in the scriptures, 
regarding res, uh, resurrection. Paul writes this, um, If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. He's saying if what we celebrate today is not real and historical and true, then we should be pitied because all of our hope is in that. Then he says this in verse 20, 1 Corinthians 15, 20, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. You know, the concept of first fruits is in a harvest. You get a few, a few fruits or uh, uh, plants produced first and you take those and you bring them as an offering to God in the Old Testament. You bring those first fruits, but they are a promise. They are a, a picture. They are a uh, a vector <laughs> that points towards all of the rest of the harvest. The resurrection of Christ is that first fruit for our resurrection. The resurrection of our bodies after we all die. I said a few weeks ago in Psalm 23 that our death is not a failure of God to care for us because in Christ we believe in resurrection. One of my favorite things that I've ever seen, I went to visit Yale a few years ago and I walked into the Yale Cemetery and there's a giant iron gate and over the iron gate, carved in this giant sign, it just says in very simple, all caps, it says, the dead shall be raised. It's one of my favorite things I've ever seen. You walk into a graveyard with a sign that says, the dead shall be raised. That's the hope that we live in because we celebrate the actual bodily resurrection of Jesus. I made a sign, I put it over my front door. It says, the dead shall be raised. Every single day, every single Sunday, every single morning, we celebrate that the dead shall be raised. Let's celebrate that today in the midst of rain, in the midst of crisis, in the midst of being suspended between uh, multiple uh, things that tear on our souls. We believe and we trust and we hope, not wishfully, but with certainty that the dead shall be raised. And that's our hope. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray. Um, for all those who on this Easter day, this Easter Sunday, are um, worried, concerned, fearful, anxious, give them hope in the resurrection. That because of the resurrection of Christ as the first fruits, um, that the entire story of Scripture testifies to your salvation that comes from you, bringing things back from the dead, bringing people back from the dead, restoring life where there is none. Give us hope and joy and certainty and all of that. May it turn to praise uh, and thanksgiving to you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Carry on.